Hey everybody, welcome back to the Waypoint Outfitters, uh, the Blood Money Podcast. We're gonna be talking about killing animals. Alright, so we're back. Week three is in the books. We killed a bull, had some good experiences. Walker got skunked. Uh, we got some new new guides on the podcast this week. I'm Ben, hoping to learn and be a guide. So that's the guy that was ate up by the bear. Bear Tack Ben. Meshack Ben. So then Walker's back, but he doesn't have much to say, so he's just sitting there. <laughs> Everybody's tired of hearing his voice. Yeah. Um, I'm Alex. 21, grew up here in Trout Creek. Brown hair and blue eyes. He's the one that's been rutting. You'll have that. Hey, a heat cycle's only 12 to 15 hours, so you gotta take advantage of it. <laughs> and then Jay's here with us again. Good, Jay. How was your week? Uh, I had a good week. It was tough this week for me. Everybody had a tough week, honestly. It was a little bit slow. I could tell that everybody's like real kind of mopey. So we're gonna tell, Ben is gonna tell his bear attack story. And don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, dude. Okay. <laughs> Embellish well, it a little bit. Okay. Well, well, the, the cool-sounding story is it was a thousand-pound bear, and it, like, jumped out of the cliff, and I fist-fought it for half an hour, and then it bit my leg, and it ran away. All right. Now tell us the truth. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, we were bear hunting uh, with hounds, yeah, in West Virginia, and the dogs brought this bear down off the mountain, and it ran past me and my buddy, and my buddy had a seven mag and shot it twice in the guts. Ran down across the river and went up on the other side. We blood trailed it down to the river and we were like, well, there's enough blood. The bear is probably going to die on the other side. So I shoved a couple dogs in the water. And So this river is a fairly good sized river. It's, 50 yards wide in most places. It's not Seriously. super swift, but it was, I mean, it was October. It was, it was crisp, not freezing cold. Swam across with three dogs, put the dogs on the track. It's really good blood trail. Well, this bear is going to be dead soon. And dogs went up across, went into some rocks, and I could hear them. They started baying the bear immediately. So baying for anybody out there listening that is when the dogs actually like the bear has held up he's decided he's gonna fight and not flee go mm -hmm. on sorry yeah well i don't know he was probably like 300 yards above me in some rocks and there's only three dogs and they i mean they were barking pretty good as i'm going up across these through these cliffs till i get like 100 yards from them they've quieted down they're still barking a little bit so in my mind i was like bear's dead you know they're just happily barking up there. So I come crawling up across this steep bank. There's a rock cliff right there, and I come around, the, and there's a logging road ends right at the base of this rock cliff. And I get on that logging road, and the bear is actually on the logging road right around the corner. I walk around the corner, and the bear is not dead. He's sitting on his haunches. <laughs> he's not dead. And he's like five yards away, and all the dogs are on the other side of him. Oh, perfect. He's not moving, and I have like two seconds before his head turns very slightly, acknowledges my presence. He was very much alive and heading my way rapidly. I had my 44 I'm not a great shot with, but I whipped it out and started blazing from the hip, which doesn't do a whole lot when you don't hit. On the last shot at two yards, I put one in his shoulder and I was using hollow points, did nothing other than making mad 44 mag yeah 44 mag with hollow points 185 grain hollow points don't don't waste your time closing the gap now. yeah yeah he's at like one yard so i just kind of ball <laughs> up because this is going down protected my chest with my arms threw him my pistol which he stepped on and ripped the rubber like i show everybody the rubber handles ripped a little bit from where he clawed it he latches hold of my right leg and goes to town on it 
was he just like running up your leg like a beaver chewing a tree, or was he shaking you like oh, a no. dog killing a groundhog? Like a dog killing a groundhog. He he spun me. I was in that log right at the end of that logging road, and he spun me a half circle. I was when he grabbed hold of me, I was pointed one way, and when he spit me out, I was pointed the other, and it took like three seconds. You don't feel a lot of pain, just but pressure and spots. It, it really felt like somebody took ice and just put it on your leg because it like my leg froze. It was like really cold. It was like your leg fell asleep. It started tingling right as soon as he let go. But that was just because he cut the nerve off. So how, how big was this bear? Four hundred pounds. So go on. So he's chewing on you. Yeah, he's chewing on he's me. Being attacked. Yeah, and then uh, the one dog, which he come up and started chewing on the bear's butt, convinced him to let go of me and chase him. Festus is Josh Rock's dog, which um, he was on one of the podcasts earlier. He's the raised by hounds guy. And uh, the dog stays here. It's kind of like the waypoint dog retired now, and he helps us out lion hunting and bear hunting. That dog saved your rear end. Yep, he saved my rear end. I am steak dinner. He's a good dog. And he convinced the bear to run the other way, and the bear ran out, I don't know, a couple hundred more yards and went and crawled in some rocks, holed up, and died there. And I got on the radio, and I'm being, you know, a little goofball. And I'm like, well, guys... I'm going to need some help. Bear, bear broke my leg because at the time I thought it was broke because I couldn't feel a thing. And they come back on the radio. They're laughing. You know, oh, ha, ha, you're full of baloney. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, guys, I'm serious. I need some help. And they thought it was a dog that broke the leg. And they're like, okay, well, are you going to – you can splint the dog's leg and bring it down. I was like, no, the dogs are fine. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> and they're like, oh, gotcha, okay. I'm over there by myself. I laid there for a little bit. After a couple minutes – like my whole body just started shaking just a little bit, I guess from the stress, trauma, shock. Not cool, but kind of, kind of cool. So how did you get out of there? Uh, the one guy that was there, his wife was up on top of the mountain on the other side. She was like, hey, we were rafting the other day and the raft is still in the back of the truck. They were like, well, bring the raft down here. That way I don't have to swim back across the river with a bum leg. While they're getting the raft down there, I took my bad leg, set it on top of my good leg, and scooted down across the steep mountain on my butt like a man. <laughs> Got thorns in my behunkus. <laughs> did not feel good. But that didn't matter because I wanted out of there at that point. By then they had the raft there, inflated it. It was the last little bit, like another 10 yards I couldn't go because of the cliffs. Yeah. Big rock cliffs. And so the two guys came up and helped me down across the cliffs down into the raft across the river we went and then they helped me I get on a horse I only use one stirrup and I ride out two miles on this horse to the truck drive an hour home to my house because I didn't want to go to the hospital and my dad is an ER nurse and he's like no you're going to the hospital we're going in there and you're getting that x-rayed so I did not enjoy that I would rather went and fought another bear than go to the ER but they did put 10 stitches in my leg and I will tell you a sister with a pair of tweezers digging bear hair and dirt and leaves out of a bear wound hurts way worse than a bear. <laughs> that will bring tears to your eyes. So now you've decided to pursue an occupation in grizzly bear country. Yeah, it's, it, it makes your blood run cold. Nightly. Yeah, when you're walking through the woods at night and you hear the sticks breaking, you're like, oh shit. Yeah, it hasn't even been a year yet. The worst part about, and you walk through the mountains, it, it'll, you'll feel it. Downhill is definitely worse just because all the the tendons and stuff that he hit. He never really cut anything major, bad. He just, the, the worst thing he did was cut my nerve off. Commands to my muscles in my legs. So I couldn't use my leg much at all. 
the muscles have not quite completely come back yet so like when i step the shock from stepping jars my knee a little bit and stretches it out and you i can feel it then enough blowdowns will do it the same thing but mostly it's just downhill does anyone else have animal attacks <laughs> yeah i've been bit by a possum and a raccoon that's cute i had a squirrel one time come out on a limb and give me the eyeball but that's about the closest thing so you've lived your whole life in grizzly bear and lots of black bear country no no buffs no oh, i've had a bluff charge one time but the cub was in the tree and we got a little too close to the tree and mama did not like that i've had lots of close encounters but when you bay them up with hounds you yeah. always kind of yeah when you're dealing with bears and hound dogs you're yeah. you're dealing close quarters with bears I would, it's mostly the 130 pound sows mm-hmm. yep the daggum women always the meanest was it a boar bear or a sow it was a boar oh if it had been a sow she'd probably killed you yeah you'd be dead yep so webley he has a sheep tag he probably is currently right now trying to glass him up some sheep they had a black bear standing within three feet of them one night they got into their camp late and did not get to set up the tents and everything so they decided instead of tearing into their packs they would just crash on the ground sleep get up in the morning and roll into their main campsite and in the night a bear rolled in on them and they heard some brush snapping twigs um, turned a headlamp on to see a bear sitting at the end of their sleeping bag at three feet staring into them Um, popped the pistol off a little bit scared the bear off um scared webley to death yeah, yeah, that's that's where I would have ended up, east of the Mississippi. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you're dead asleep and you wake up to a pistol being fired and your friend screaming to scare the bear and you can't find your headlamp. The guy firing his pistol, um, he guides off and on for us and was a guide steady here. Uh, he had actually he had, had to kill a grizzly bear in self-defense. Everybody's kind of had little encounters and freaking me out a little bit this year. Oh, Jay's got a good one. He's always got some good ones. I've, I've kind of a funny one where I was guiding um, like late general season. I was hunting as a group with another one of our guides, and he dropped off the backside of a mountain. I decided to set my clients up in this, this meadow. We were deer hunting, and I told them to stay here. I left the two horses with them, and I told them I'll be back in a little bit. I'm just going to run around the backside, drop the horses off so that my, my friend and his clients are able to, instead of hike all the way back up to the top of the mountain, they can just be there at the horses and come back. I get back to where my clients are supposed to be. They're gone. The horses are gone. I'm pretty mad because these guys had zero horse experience. I told them to stay put. You don't know where they're going to go. Luckily, the horses, you know, have somewhat of an idea. They're going to go back to hay. They're going to go back to camp. Going back down the trail, I see something moving off to the right in, in the woods. And I thought it was one of the horses, so I, I said their name. And I, I looked over, and sure enough, heard some guttural noises. And, and the sow takes off. I'm riding this mule poncho, and I kick the living crap out of them. Like, you know, I'm not dealing with this again. Take off. And this bear literally comes full bore through the woods, out in front of me, comes out into the trail. Black? It's, it was a grizz. grizz. Small sow, but yeah. feisty. I'm on the radio talking to this other guide, and, you know, like, I can't find my clients. I got this stupid bear. My mule is pawing the ground, snorting, ears pinned. Let's get this thing. <laughs> it wants to fight the bear, and I'm on top of it. I have my gun out. <laughs> I'm freaking out. Did you take the reins in your teeth? 
pull your <laughs> pull your steel. I was I was fighting him. Pull <laughs> your hands with iron, you son of a bitch. It was <laughs> it was stupid. And eventually, she kind of kicks off. She had two cubs off in the brush. Like she was a good bear. She wanted to get in between me and her cubs, and she did the right thing. And and you know we had that standoff. So in the in the midst of it all, my other friend. Clint, he's up top of the mountain. He can hear some of the radio chatter. He's, you know, like, there's a bear. Jay can't find his clients, like, needs help. Something's going on. I didn't know this at the time, but my clients had red Gatorade, and they wrote in the snow, we at camp. So as he's rolling down the mountain, bear tracks, horse tracks everywhere, and then you're just looks like blood like all oh. through the snow so he's locked and loaded pistol out sprinting through the woods on his horse trying to find me you know thinking that someone got attacked by a bear rolling around on the radio can't get a hold of anybody just freaking out <laughs> eventually the you know he got back to camp and realized everything was fine it was definitely a adrenaline dump for him for sure you got another grizzly bear story too don't you yeah i do um not so funny of a no one. that one's not funny at all um <laughs> So that, this was 2015. I was uh, working up in Glacier during the summer. I was packing mules for this company. They needed me to do a trail ride, getting you know close to the trailhead, and um, just pass a guy on a bicycle. I was talking to him, and I come around this corner. Big grizzly bear. It's like 60 yards, bedded down, gets up, starts making guttural noises chomping his teeth, which sounds like two two-by-fours clapping together. The bear starts charging from, I mean, they're fast. It, it was like he was there in, in a millisecond. Horses kind of freak out. I turn my horse into the client's horses and kind of bunch them together so they don't take off because in that situation, the last thing you want is, you know, one of the clients falling off. Like, if they fall off, they're screwed. Yeah. I didn't have a gun. You know, all I could do was yell the F word as loud as I could at the bear. This this bear, you know, slaps the ground, which feels like a freaking earthquake when you're that yeah. close to it. Eventually, the bear kind of takes off, runs down the trail, and he met that biker that I was talking to head on. And basically, it hit him and then bit him one time, and it internally decapitated the guy. Killed yeah. him. So I have a bluff charge story from this country. Um I got a new horse. I decided I was going to jump on my new horse and go for a ride. Well, we have grapevines back in Pennsylvania, and I got my horse wrapped up in grapevines. He throwed me down, throwed himself down, and I broke my wrist. So I had to leave to go guiding uh, like a week or two after that. So I go, and I have a cast on my hand. It's not a big deal. I can still perform guiding the whole nine yards, but I can't shoot a pistol, which I'm a terrible shot anyways. I'm kind of freaking out. A little bit because I'm right-handed and that's the hand that's broke so bears are scaring me and the horror story comes true we start rolling down through a brush field and we roll right into a bear she gets up I think it's a sow she uh, starts wolfing popping her teeth works around us within 10 yards steps backwards turns around looks back at us and leaves again I look back, my client has put his bow on the ground and he um, got out his bear spray, which that was nice. He didn't turn and run. You're all, you never know what the guys are gonna do like when they get into a hairy situation. And as a guide, you have, you're have you kind of relying on the client a little bit also if you were to get hurt. Um, and I, I feel that guy would've took care of me. So Curry was the only guide with his client that was successful this week. And they put a bull in the dirt, a nice bull. So I've been hunting this spot pretty hard the last couple of weeks and we've gotten into elk every time we've been in there and I decided that 
Friday would be a good day to go back in there because it had rained all Thursday, so everything was just kind of holed up in there. And I decided we should listen and see if that bull gives up his location so we know where to go from there. And sure enough, he bugled. We dropped down in to where I usually do my setups. And I'm in a really thick alder patch, so I can kind of hear him bugling down there, but there's not really definition to the sound or anything. It's just you can hear the squeal. So we do like a 30 minute setup. I drop down to my client and I'm like, I can hear that bull down there. We need to drop, he's ways below us. He's like, dude, I think he's coming. He's getting louder. And this bull bugles and he's like 250 yards. I was like, oh yeah, he's coming. Like he's coming now. He's cut the distance in half. So I just roll back up to where I was, continue to call. And he bugles again at like a hundred yards. And I challenge bugling when he's at about 80 and this bull just comes rolling in. And I can hear the huckleberry rush just whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And I hear the bow go off and just like the whop. I was like, I'll smoke him. It's so like definite ribs. So my client hoots at me. <laughs> <laughs> so we hoot back and forth. That way everybody, they can, we're not making human noises. And we try to tell the clients to hoot back to us just as like, it's funny to hear them. Oh yeah, he was so excited. I don't know if he was crying Ooh, or <laughs> joking. I go rolling down there. He's all fired up. He's like, dude, we 10 ringed him. Just absolutely 10 ringed him, 15 yards. We give this bull an hour. We found the arrow about 10 feet from where he shot him. There was 10 inches left in the bull, but the broadhead and everything broke off. And I'm looking at the arrow and I'm confused because there's like lung blood, liver blood, fat, and gut in it. I was like, where is this thing even hit? Like, it was confusing. I've never seen anything like it. But he only went, like, 30 yards. But it turns out that the bull was quartered away just slightly. And the arrow went in, caught both lungs, and, like, I guess bounced around and came out in front of the offside hindquarter. So it got everything. He was pretty jacked up. Shooting heavy arrows, 150-grain kudu broadhead. Yeah, it broke a rib going in and never even rolled an edge or anything on that broadhead. Like, it's still as sharp as yeah. when it came out of the package so that was quite impressive as far as broadheads there's a lot of good ones out there but honestly that kudu point these are just plain simple not no flashy but they are tough and they they are working very well for us it's crazy it's old technology it's not like something new it's not like they just came out with this design no indians shot through buffalo and we can't shoot through whitetails now yeah, everybody's trying to go light and fast and that's just not the way to go on these elk like you have to have a big heavy setup if you want to get penetration. We got to the bull and it was like a surreal feeling for both of us. Like you could tell it was very emotional for him. He's prepared for this for a long time. And for me, it was like, holy crap, that actually happened. Like we did it. It yeah. doesn't feel real for about the first 30 minutes. Like it doesn't even really set in until the next day that it actually happened. Well, yeah, that was your first kill with a client. First bull I killed with a client, yep. I guess yeah. we forgot about that because yeah. you've killed so many bulls yourself that it like didn't register that that was your first guided bull kill. Oh, yeah, it's way cooler when you guide one than when you shoot one yourself. I've shot a whole bunch of them, so it's just yeah. another elk to me. But when you can do it for somebody else and give them that experience and the feeling that you felt the first time you did it, incredible. So we made sure to capture the moment as well as we could with a bunch of pictures and it looked great i love the pictures you didn't stage them or yeah i can't stand when guys like sit six feet back behind the bull i'm like dude it's still a four point like you can sit as far back from it as you want you're not making it any bigger just show what it actually is don't yeah. disrespect the animal by trying to say he's small you know what i mean you yeah. took its life it was it's about the hunt not the size of the animal yeah exactly that's probably my biggest pet peeve 
is looking through pictures, seeing outfitters have their clients do that. And it's no, don't do that. This guy just worked his butt off to get this animal. Like I want the pictures of the clients smiling ear to ear, happy as can be right next to the bull. That's real. I feel as the client would kind of degrade the moment for me a little bit. If a guy wanted me to sit further back, it's like taken away from it a little bit. It's like, well, is this not good enough for you? You have to make it look better. Just guides go out one too. They teach you that. They go over it a little bit, picture taken. You all, they always want you to be downhill of the animal, put the client way in behind it, don't grip the horns. It, that's like, was the deal back in the day. That's how everybody does it. My favorite picture, did you get one of the animal, how he died? Just like. Yep, yep, got I, a picture of it. I like that natural. Yeah, I, I like that too. You can I, just reflect on it a little more, I think. The other pictures I like is like the tenderloin pictures because you can mm-hmm. tell they're like almost struggling to hold yeah. the whole tenderloin up and their smiles are always so big. I always like seeing those ones too. I always video the client um, going up to the animal. I get right behind him. I turn my video on my phone and I, I video. Sometimes it's terrible, but I like to go back through and it, you can just, the emotion on the people's face, you cannot take it away. A lot of them can pull it together and do the old stern face for the pictures and this and that, but when they first put their hands on that animal Mm -hmm. when they've worked so hard. I wish I would have videoed walking up to it, but it was so much going on in the heat of the moment, you didn't really think about it. Salem was a good dude. Walker, go ahead. You can tell your story about the... May not have had any elk action, but we did shoot a squirrel, two grouse, a doe, and two turkeys. He was still doing some kill. That's right. My goodness, no elk, huh? No elk. It was how death feel? Yeah, I got the humble pie this week. Yeah, he was coming off a big high. Wounded yeah. bull the first week, did yep. his job, killed a bull the second week. He's like, dude, I'm gonna tear it up. That's right. I was like, oh, it's game over. And then didn't even hear a bugle this week. This upcoming week is about to be crazy. I Hopefully. ate the humble pie last <laughs> week, but Ben and I we had a we had a heck of a beginning of a week. We got into a herd of elk. We sneak down in there as quiet as possible. We get comfortable, kind of just kept sitting down and not talking. We knew we were in close. So we figured we'd hear him get up 4.30, 5 o'clock, cows talk, at least pop and brush. We hear him sound off. He, he finally bugles. We're all like laying around sleeping. Mm. I am awake because every time I fall asleep, I have the same nightmare that I've slept too long and it's dark and I wake up and I freak out. Ben wakes up from a dead somber sleep he's like bam he's like that was a bull bugle so we get all our gear together we go down and uh we start setting up on this elk we got him bugling back and forth just a little bit we break 150 yards on him he closes the distance to 70 yards he's bugling pretty good and i can i looked at my client and we have two of them we kind of split up wind was terribly swirling oh it was swirling everywhere luck have it everything like worked out to our favor he lets out a big gnarly bugle put a lot of sound deflection in it. it was it was cool he, you could tell he had some weight behind him i looked at my client i was like this is a big boy here and it was just a stalemate it seemed like forever i tried to give a lip ball he wouldn't fall for any tricks we were playing with him he just stood out there and would bugle bang just bugle he's like what, like every five minutes? I was like, every five seconds, I don't care. Just make elk noises. I break out Matilda, which that's the decoy that I have. I grab one of the clients and, and we just put the decoy in front of us and start going through alders and I'm cow calling, meow, 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 meow. I can hear the bull try to flank us because it's thick and he's probably 20, 30 yards and he starts trying to make it up the hill to get our wind and I flank real hard with him and he stops at like 
15, 20 yards, and he's standing there, and he's making a noise that I've never heard an elk make. It sounded honestly like a tree squeaking. It was the bull was doing like a real nasally mew. I cow called twice to him. We covered half the distance, and I could see his tines in the alders. Big bull, big six point, I'm guessing. I didn't get to see his bottom half. And I could see the bull moving in the alders probably to like six yards. My client, he was nervous whenever he figured out that he had been tricked. He wheeled around through those alders and just tore down through them. I'm disappointed. I'm like, it's over. Son of a gun threw my bugle tube down. It's like, man, giant bull that close. He's probably done for the year. You're not going to call that bull back in again. Nope. I mean, he just seen every trick that we could throw at him and now he knows so i'm disappointingly walking back over towards ben and the other client and ben's throwing sticks waving his hands and uh ben has the rest of the elk called into him <laughs> and we walk right back into an elk party and uh, we're back in the game get a raghorn bull to 20 couple yards same thing guy was stationary and i'm not standing right over his shoulder i couldn't grab a hold of him and move him forward i kind of couldn't close any more distance so the bull would see me and I wish I could have been a fly to buzz over there and be like, dude, take two steps and shoot that bull. There becomes a time in the setup and you can feel it. I don't know if every, I'm sure everybody can feel it. You can just tell it's like, it's almost over. You, they've already been tricked enough that they've closed the distance, but they're waiting to see elk. They're gonna hold up right there. People don't realize that you can slip in while all this action's going on behind you. You can move in on those elk and kill them. These are 18 and 19 year old guys that have never been out west before never went elk hunting before we're pretty well out here to learn and learn you do the school hard knock that's pretty much why people are not successful elk hunting is because you're trying to kill an animal on a guided hunt in six days too many scenarios through in six days it's you learn by failure and the more animals that you spook and run off i'll guarantee it if i would call a bull in or one of you guys would call a bull in for that boy that did that twice in less than five minutes apart from each other. The second that bull bugles, he would be taking steps towards him, covering ground towards that elk. Well, I think the clients that are repeat clients have a much larger percentage of connecting with an elk because they've already been out here. Whenever you're out here first time, your mind's getting acclimated to the terrain, your body's getting acclimated to the terrain, and then all these different scenarios play out and it's just too much to take in all at once in six days and then when you come back out um, the following year then you your mind and body already know what they're about to go through and um, you can focus more on the hunting aspect. Sam was a repeat client so yep. he was already prepared. He came out last rifle season um, just to kind of see the terrain and see the country what it had to offer. Rebooked for archery season and he put in a lot of hard work this whole year. Uh, reading forums geared up dude was geared up this time he was definitely prepared like he knew what he was getting into and he had a lot of heart this week like he was pretty tired we're coming out of there with that head and cape but he just kept going he kept talking about the beard on that elk rubbing on him stinking and that bull had pine sap and tar matted it was almost gross rutted up He's asked me, he's like, do they piss in their beard? I'm like, dude, they piss everywhere. They, yeah. My pickup smells like elk piss now. It's a good smell, though. Smell of success. In that boy's defense, we had showed him elk at like 700 yards. And then the next elk that he saw was throwing saliva on him and getting splashed with piss. <laughs> I mean, so uh, 
Yeah, and a big old gnarly bull. And whenever you get on big bulls, the sound that they can make, you just know that there's weight behind them. Old Forasaurus. And that's why you pay for a guide, because we run every scenario possible. Jay had hunty mooners, which is a new thing now that is catching on. No, they, they were hunters. Uh, for me, it seems like every time you have someone that can move through the woods, you know, they're, you know, when, when you're slowing down, getting quiet, they're, they're doing the same thing, you know, they're just keying off of everything that you're doing. You know, you feel like you're moving like a unit through the woods, you know, you don't have to say much to them. You kind of you just nod and, and they go about doing doing what you want them to do. When you have clients like that, it seems like the elk hunting becomes harder <laughs> and harder. I mean, these, these guys definitely had their, their heads in the right place and, you know, very positive. And yeah, we, we went for a, a death march the one day trying to scrape up a bull to talk to us and just couldn't get anything to I talk. I feel you. It was rough. I was ready to jump off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, honestly. And they knew that. Yeah. She the other day when she was here, she's like, I just really feel like Jay might need to be put on suicide watch. He's trying his hardest, but we know it's just hunting. It's bound to happen and take a lot of pride in your craft. You yeah. Know what I, mean? I mean, it it stinks when you can't do your job that you're supposed to be able to do. It it, it hurts. It it sucks that you can pour your heart and soul out into the elk hunting, and if they don't want to play ball a little bit, you're just soft tossing to yourself all day. I mean, you can make some things happen, but to a certain extent, to give that full experience, the elk have to participate. Um, I got lucky. Was in a draw with an estrus cycle going on, and it was like a bugle fest going on. There was multiple different bulls all day, just every minute screaming. It was awesome. Alex got to forge a couple. Packers by fire, which old spotted elk has been having the easy road. He's did what two pack outs now. They've been the bunny slope. He got to do a real one. I give him the old sad story. I'm I'm older. Uh, I got I got to hunt next week. Uh, maybe you guys take it easy on me. I knew that if I went down and I went to the bathroom, when I come back, there would be hardly any meat for me to put on my backpack. So I come back, there's none. I was like, well, I'll take all the spare gear. These two boys, Aiden and Brock put in a hind quarter and a front shoulder on their packs and we had about 550 yards of pretty steep nasty little bowl to come up out of and they start well brock doesn't know it but aiden whether he did it on purpose or not slid brock two hind quarters <laughs> <laughs> aiden's seen a few elk back outs like he was planning that out he's not as stupid as he no works. not at all and i'm like laughing because i'm so sorry pal i'm buddy i well i was like yeah right aiden you can't tell there's two hawks on these things <laughs> brock he never cries uncle finally it's taken like three hours to pull up out of this canyon i'm like i've turned around and i would start laughing so hard at the misery on those two's faces that I actually had tears well up in my eyes so much and I only had my hunting gear. I had a rifle and a front shoulder and I was teared up from giggling that I actually twisted my ankle and fell onto the ground and kicked it back up. I was laughing <laughs> so hard and them too, I sat there and laid on the ground and it took them still like five minutes to get to me. It weren't too bad, but it was the grind. He did not have a good backpack and we're all run Stone Glacier. He, he was going to purchase one today, paying full price at North 40 to boot instead of our discount. Um, 
But he asked me, how much are they? I was like, priceless, dude. They are, you cannot put a price on them. No tracking poles. They're learning the hard way. Then their bino harnesses are flopping around. It's just hilarious to watch younger guys that are, they're wanting to learn this. So they have like the heart to do it, but their system isn't dialed yet. It's a total mess. <laughs> the whole, it's awesome to watch. It doesn't help that I gave him a half worn out pack frame. <laughs> I used to pack all high school with that thing. Me and Tanner Hamby would each go in, both of us, we'd pack out a whole elk. Yeah, well, it ain't working on Brock, it tore him up. So since we were on gear, what gear could you not hunt without? So I run the Stone Glacier large bino harness, and then I have my pistol holster attached to the bottom of it. Then I run the Stone Glacier X-curve frame with the Avail 2200 bag. I think all of us are running the Avail. Yeah, I think we all are. It's a super versatile bag, so it's... Especially for a guy that's got tons of strapping. You can mm -hmm. swap a bunch of different buckles out. Everybody wants to know. We run the Stone Glacier. I think that they're better for guiding. They're probably a more comfortable pack. I think the Kafaru is more comfortable. But for blood being in and out of our packs constantly, that's huge. So for new clients or new DIY hunters, what would you ask them to get in a pack? That Stone Glacier avail stone glacier all the way yeah, yeah. honestly nothing I, else ever <laughs> we all run it the stone glacier stuff only yeah i like the mystery ranch though beat the living crap out of them they're they're not as light but they're a little more durable i had the mystery ranch last year and i really liked a lot of the accessories on that bag like i liked a lot of things about it it just personally didn't fit me very well bang for your buck definitely if you're figure 30 days of western hunting a year a mystery ranch pack not many companies make stuff that's gonna last for guides i mean i'm just gonna say that we beat the living crap out of it <laughs> it's, it's true it never lasts no matter yeah. what brand it is just what's comfortable and what setup that you like the best kind of helps you run run strong in the woods i'm curious to see if we can attribute us being in constant contact with our clients i i th just think that's why we have a lot of happier clients this year because they're texting us about what gear that we use, what gear we recommend, what they should purchase over a year's worth of time. That way it doesn't all hit the bank at once. When they're coming out with Sitka or QU gear, along with comfortable packs and wool socks. I haven't seen one white pair of cotton socks yet, so that's nice. It makes the hunt way nicer because you can endure the elements better. I like dealing with the companies that get guiding. Phelps and Stone Glacier and Schnees. I help all the guides. They never have time to call into the companies themselves. So I call in for them and they are on it. Since Meat Eater took over, I now have a sales rep. So I can email them and they ship stuff right away. Schnees is awesome to work with. I call them all the time too. If something's wrong, they just ship out a new pair of boots and ask you to ship the faulty ones back. Stone Glacier's warranty program is amazing i think we all kind of run the stone glacier just because it does what we need to do as far as like a company and a hunting outfit we're all using the same bugle tubes and all by design have all the same backpack that way you look like a unit when you're going hunting i mean you don't have one guy using the power bugle and us sitting around at night making fun of a guy that's using a power bugle. yeah it's <laughs> it's terrible so it's just nice when you see a nice organized group the it's only argument is really uh sitka versus qu i run qu and mystery ranch so it's still good stuff. it's good stuff it's not the stone glacier toughness that you're talking about stone glacier is not paying us for any of this advertising either. no we don't get paid from anybody to do anything we just if i were to guess a 
the gear that you would not go hunting without, would it be your brand new trekking poles? Uh, yes. With <laughs> a bad knee. Awesome. <laughs> I used them the other day and I was like, I'm never going back. I'm liable to use these just to walk around at home. We come down off the mountain a couple of times and Ben's usually breathing down my neck, walking. And I can tell when his knee starts to bug him because he lags back there a little bit and I have to give up my trekking poles to thank God yours come in. Mm-hmm. I never use trekking poles. I'm, I'm a brush grabber. The main man told me on the mountain one time, he said that if you don't use all the new technology and all the things that make hunting easier on you, then someone that does and is a hard hunter will out hunt you every day on the mountain. And if you can't adapt with the times, you'll be stuck to sucking hind tip. I don't know, I can't do the trekking poles. You've got 20-some-year-old knees, and you don't have to yet. But yeah. when you're 50, your knees might be worn out, and you're probably wishing you used trekking poles now. Yeah, I need to start using them. <laughs> yeah. Against my will. Against my will. It's preventative maintenance. You have a week off. Get, get, I get do. Do some elk hunting for yourself. Yeah, that's going to be a little different. Yeah. Um, last year, it kicked hot the fourth and fifth week, and I... We're only on the fourth week. I know. I'm... I think you just, in your brain, you get so wound up to wanting to hear all that that you, you forget all the days that you hunted and didn't hear anything. You, like, block that out from year to year. I feel like I've been a rut magnet this year because I've only had two days where I didn't hear a bugle or we didn't at least get into talking to some oh, That's great for you. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Jay and I, we both, I right. everybody's had slump weeks. I Honestly, you and I have had about the worst slump weeks, Jay. No. <laughs> we have the most experience. It's awful. This week, I get to hunt with my cousin this week, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Levi's a game magnet. That's going to be like hunting with myself. My cousin and I hunted everywhere together. If there was one person I could pick to go hunting with, uh, that would probably be him. He has a gur factor through the roof, honestly, and he's a killer and a shooter. The dude's a gear nut, so he's always got the best of the best of the gear, so I know that that's always going to be taken care of. I just love hunting with my buddies and stuff. It's just experience but probably my dad for sure would be the one person that i would pick i learn something new every time i'm with him he's the one that got me into hunting and he's just a super genius when it comes to elk knowledge so jay who would you pick my yeah. wife for sure i don't know she's way better at spotting game than i am i mean we've we've killed some cool things together over the years and wow. i don't know i enjoy it made me look bad I, <laughs> <laughs> it's my wife sitting right there i, I know you hate hunting with me <laughs> Because I cook and clean all day. I'm not in shape by the time you want to take me hunting, so I just slow you down. Especially when I get to hunt for myself, the last thing I want is to sugarcoat any of my hunt. I want to just do my own thing, and you either keep up or you can hunt by yourself that day, and we'll meet back at the truck. I, just how I am. I keep think. up. Yeah. I about die. My heart rate's like 200. She does good. I'm probably not very fun to hunt with. You're not. Honestly, You're I, miserable. I take it serious when I get to go by myself. It's game phase. So your wife was a guide, correct? Yeah, she got with me for a season. That's awesome. Yeah. Hunts, pack trips. Impressive. So who's the better hunter? Um, me. On, That's a loaded question, Morgan. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, she's a lot more patient than I am. We usually are. No, that is, that's super cool. Did you meet her, like, already working for an outfit and you guys met like that? No, she's, she's working for a ranch um, down in southwestern Montana and... She went to school in Montana Western. Her friend that ended up working up at an outfit 
where I worked at as as our camp cook introduced us together, and that's that's how we met. And I would drive like 500 miles on the day off, so I would hunt, guide, get out that Friday, drive all the way down there to see her. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's <laughs> and then commitment. We, yeah, then then we'd go elk hunting or something, and then literally have to turn around the next day and drive all the way back, meet my new clients, and then go hunting again. You were rutting then. Yeah, that'll happen to you. Ben, you're kind of quiet over there. Who's your favorite person to hunt with? I'd be my best friend, Jesse. Well, I don't know. I, I went to school with him, and we just kind of learned hunting together. Hunted everything that moved. I'm from Maryland, so we didn't have elk. We just had whitetails, and none of them were giant. Spot and stalk doe hunting. And then bit the bullet and went elk hunting, and we've been addicted ever since. Ben's and I'm going to be carrying a bow here shortly, soon hunting. I was thinking about it. It would be nice to have a guide, like, to only have to worry about having my bow level, my shot placement, this and that. I'm going to try to be calling, moving, everything. So you're going to have a lot on the table. We always try to set up in these super, super thick areas to draw the bulls in. Well, as the shooter, you're looking around and it's nasty thick. You're like, I have like two holes. Me as the caller, I'm like, I can try to pull that bull in them two holes. If it's thick enough, he's going to try to come to a vantage point. Mm -hmm. So when that shooter is in that distance where he thinks he can look in, you can bam. But as the caller also, we can call and then turn around and run the other direction. <laughs> yeah, I usually pile up a bunch of rocks at my feet before I start. And then when I can hear that bull getting closer, I'll start pitching rocks off behind me or over go. the side of me. It's a good little tip of the day. All right, so that about wraps it up. Everybody's kind of zombies. We're, we're gearing up and getting some rest. We're going to get after it this next week. Hopefully the elk start bugling. And tune back in next week for Tales of the Hunt. <laughs>